Hear the word of God from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 19. This reading comes from the Common English Bible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out without knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived in the land he had been promised as a stranger. He lived in tents along with Isaac and Jacob, who were co-heirs of the same promise. He was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah received the ability to have a child, though she herself was barren and past the age for having children, because she believed that the one who promised was faithful. So descendants were born from one man, and he was as good as dead. There were as many as the number of stars in the sky and as countless as the grains of sand on the seashore. All these people died in faith without receiving the promises, but they saw the promises from a distance and welcomed them. They confessed that they were strangers and immigrants on earth. People who say this kind of thing make it clear that they are looking for a homeland. If they had been thinking about the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return to it. But at this point in time, they are longing for a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God isn't ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac when he was tested. The one who receives promises was offering his only son. He had been told concerning him, your legitimate descendants will come from Isaac. He figured that God could even raise him from the dead. So in a way, he did receive him back from the dead. The word of God for the world. Thanks, Jenny. Well, is everybody back to school? Yeah, school's back. It's gotten started. Parents, yeah, you getting adjusted to the new schedule? Yeehaw. Yeah, yeehaw. <laughs> well, this week as I was um, getting ready for um, this part two of our Hall of faith series, I stumbled upon this interesting story. In 1988, uh, the National Baseball Hall of Fame opened an exhibit that honored women's baseball. And over 1,100 people walked the doors of the Baseball Hall of Fame on that day. And 150 of them were women from the All-American Girls Baseball League that was formed in 1943 to 1954. One writer said this, they said the place was packed. The women were singing the league song, they were crying, and when the exhibit opened, the ladies had flashbulbs going up and there was all this wonderful energy going around. It was an outpouring of an emotion, they said, that they'd never seen before and at the Hall of Fame they've never seen since. These women were wonderful ambassadors for the game, and they continue to be an inspiration for girls and women in softball and baseball. You see, during a difficult time in the country's history, these women, they used their gifts and their talents to uplift others, to encourage them as they played a game they loved, baseball. They never imagined the impact that their acts would have on others or even on history. You see, it's interesting because a famous movie director 
Penny Marshall was there on that opening day. She's a huge baseball fan and she wanted to be there. And she started to interview the stories of these women from the All-American Girls Baseball League. And she took those stories. She was inspired by them. She wrote about them. And she developed a movie. And it became a blockbuster hit and their inspiration went viral in the movie called A League of Their Own. If any of you haven't seen it, it's a wonderful and inspirational story. In our worship series, our Hall of Faith, the writer of Hebrews is, in a sense, taking heroes of his faith and writing about them in this section of chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews. I wonder, are there particular persons in the scriptures that are heroes of faith for you, people that inspire you or lift your spirits up, people you admire? Anybody you can think of? Over the next several weeks, we're looking at three of the ones that the writer of Hebrews looked at. We're looking at Noah and Moses next week. There were some blockbuster movies, by the way, written about those, although I'm not sure how accurate they actually were, right? But today we're looking at Abraham. The writer of Hebrews, you just heard, wrote about the inspiration of Abraham and for the early Christians the life of these people in the past so that they might be encouraged and inspired to walk deeper in their own faith. You see that story of Abraham and Sarah, it goes back to the book of Genesis. And it's about two people. It's about a husband and it's about a wife. Both of them who were called by God and both who said yes. They had no impact, they had no understanding of the impact their life was going to have on other people or even on history. They just took one step at a time. We hear about that in the very in our key verse for today. The first verse that was read. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. Huh. Have you ever heard that famous saying, it's, about, it's all about the journey, not the destination? That's the saying I think of when I think of Abraham and Sarah. They walked out on faith. They trusted in God deeply. They took one step at a time, and they let God take care of where they were going to land in the outcome. I want to encourage you to go back to Genesis. It starts in chapter 12 and goes on to read the stories of Abraham and Sarah because the thing I love about the two of them is they're real people living in a real life. And I mean, just like you and me, they want to do the best for their families. They want to do the best for the people around them. And they chose to open themselves up to walk with God and to work with God in their lives. Their life is filled with stories of encouragement. You see how they trust God. You learn from their faith. It's so rich in this faithfulness, this relationship they have with God and the faithfulness that God has with them. It can be inspiring as you read through it. But the thing I love about it is they're also real. They're not just some picture faithful, perfect people. Like us, they have doubts. They have fears, they have uncertainties, and they even mess up from time to time, and yet God's faithful. 
In Genesis, we read how Abraham, get this, he lied about his wife, Sarah, and gave her over to an enemy camp so he could save his own skin. Ouch. Oops. Lessons learned on that one, right? Abraham and Sarah also had lots of doubts, and they really doubted in God's ability to give them children because it wasn't happening. And they weren't sure what to do, so they figured they'd come up with their own plan. And they thought, we'll figure out how to make this work. Here's what we can do. Abraham, he'll just have a child with another woman that's not his wife. Hagar, and that'll like work out really well for him, right? Yeah, well, you read, it's not quite like they thought after all, right? Well, I guess there's going to be other stories that aren't recorded in the scriptures about Abraham and Sarah, where they were faithful with God, and there's also the stories where they doubted, where they were uncertain. And I bet there's a time or two that we don't read about in scriptures where they trusted in their own will and their own strength instead of God's. But we see time and time again that God is faithful to them. God never leaves them. I believe there's moments when they're in struggle and challenge. I'm certain that God appeared to Abraham and Sarah just as God appears to all of us and invites us to look around, look up. God's there. And God's ability to provide on God's promises is right there in their midst. They were just to be faithful to the journey, and God would take care of the destination. All they were asked to do is take one faithful step at a time, follow God's commands, trust in God's presence with them. And I think the same is true for you and I. I like how McGray wrote it. He said, you know, God will provide for all of us just enough encouragement, enough strength, enough faith for our struggles. It's not mean that we're going to get away out of our situation, but God's there with us to guide us through our situations. And, you know, God will provide all of us the ability to make a difference in our families, in our community, in our world, even when we might feel just like a small little speck of sand or dust, because God's there with us. As I reflected on Abe and Sarah this past week, I started to wonder, you know, how did they do this perseverance of faith? I mean, come on, it isn't easy, right? I mean, keep pressing on in the midst of struggles and challenges, even pressing on in this life of faith when things are good. How did they do it? And I was reflecting back on those characteristics we looked at last week. It's actually characteristics that all of these, these people have in this particular text in Scripture. We saw it with Noah last week. We'll see it with Moses. But here's what I discovered. First, they remembered that they were chosen by God. They remembered God called them. And the second thing I noticed in them is that not only did they remember that they were chosen, but they reminded themselves often that they chose to say yes to God. And they remembered it, my guess is, daily. Right? They remembered daily that they chose to say yes to God. And the third thing I saw in Abraham and Sarah is that they offered their life as a gift to others. 
They gave out of their time and their talent and even their treasures. It's interesting because in the story of Genesis, we read that a king offers a blessing to Abraham and Sarah. He offers this blessing that God is going to be with them and God is going to work in and through them. And out of this sense of joyful gratitude, Abraham gives a tenth of his inheritance over back to the king. A tenth. That's what you call, they call it the tithe. Over to the king. Here in this, uh, in this passage, Abel's able to be generous with his stuff because we learn he realizes his stuff actually belongs to God. He's merely a steward of it. And so he is able to bless another as he has been blessed out of this treasure that he has. In the church, we talk about that, don't we? We talk about it when we talk about how we give of our financial gifts, right? And we do it so that God might, through our gifts, bless others. Abraham and Sarah, they spent their whole lives giving of themselves, basically offering their lives up to God. Realized, wow, they really did. They gave generously and joyfully with their financial resources, and they, they also took risks to travel to worlds unknown, giving up their own wants and their own needs. And the other thing they did is these two used their gifts in service to others. When you read these chapters, you see how they led others with their gifts, how they showed hospitality to the stranger and the foreigner. And you read in the scriptures how they showed compassion to their family, to their servants, and to the people that they met. And the thing is, they did all of this without ever knowing the impact what they were doing would have on the future. They really couldn't understand how their descendants were going to be the future people of God. They couldn't wrap their head around it. The half the time, they didn't even have children. But they stayed faithful, faithful to the present journey of God with them. And so I wonder, what about you? I mean, here's the thing. We talked about it last week, like Abe and Sarah... God chose you, and you can say yes to God. And our life, it will have struggles, right? But with God, you can be a gift to others. In Running Springs, California, there is a daffodil garden and an author named Geraldine Edwards, she wrote about this uh, garden and an experience that she had with her daughter one day when they went up to see it. She writes this. She said, we came upon uh, this small gravel road, and we saw a little church. And on the far side of the church, there was this handwritten sign that said, Daffodil Garden, that way. And so they turned the corner around the path. And she writes, I looked up and I gasped. Before me lay the most glorious sight I'd ever seen. It looked as though someone took a great vat of gold and poured it over the mountaintops into five acres of beautiful flowers. The daughter asked, who did this? And she said it was done by just one woman, and she lives over in that little A-frame house around the corner. So they walked up to the house, and on the house, there's a poster. 
And the poster says, answers to the questions I know you're asking. First, 50,000 bulbs. Second, one at a time, by one woman, two hands, two feet, and a very little brain. That's what she said. The third answer is it began in 1958. Geraldine writes that for her, that moment was a life-changing experience. She said, I thought of a woman who she had never met, who for more than 40 years had begun to plant one bulb at a time to bring her vision of beauty and joy to this little patch of land in her town. She said, you know, just by planting one bulb at a time, year after year, forever changed the part of world she lived in. She created something of beauty and of inspiration. She wrote that it made her sad in a way. She thought, you know, what might I have accomplished if I set a goal and worked at it one step at a time for 40 years? I mean, what might I accomplish? And as she sat there for a moment, her daughter turned to her and she said, well, you can start tomorrow. You know, Abraham and Sarah, they had no guarantee that their actions were going to make a difference. And they had no guarantee that they were going to have everything they needed along the way. They just needed to keep going one step at a time. But they did have something. They had an insurance that God would be with them. And so they kept going. They planted one bulb at a time, and they maintained trust and faith and obedience along the way, despite the challenges and the struggles that they had. They kept focusing on the journey. They let God worry about the destination and the outcome. And so I wonder about you. Is there a daffodil bulb with your name on it? A daffodil bulb that's waiting to be planted? or watered, or nurtured by you? I wonder, is there a way you might be looking to use your gifts or your talents, that God might work through them? If there is, I invite you to give a holler to any of us on staff. We'd love to help you connect or explore what that looks like for you. But as I thought about this passage, I also wondered, some of you might need encouragement to trust that what you are planting for God is in God's hands. You don't have to worry about it or try to control the outcome. Just keep planting, keep watering, keep nurturing for God. I'm always amazed at the way men and women, just like you, choose to use your gifts to serve others the way you choose to deepen your spiritual practices and grow in this life of faith with together. Our children's lives are changed by it. Our youth, they're formed and they're shaped and inspired by the way in which you live out your life of faith. Hebrews 11.13 says, All of these died in faith without receiving the promises. That means all of those heroes of faith in chapter 11, they all died before they ever saw the promises that God had said God was going to do through them. 
Abraham and Sarah, they died without ever seeing the fulfillment of that promise, the one that said you're going to have descendants more numerous than the stars and the sand. But if you look around, there's evidence of God's faithfulness of that, right? We can look around and see God still at work in the lives of you and others, transforming us, creating hope and providing salvation for everyone. Let us pray. Oh, most holy God, you are always faithful, merciful, and compassionate with us. And even when we go astray, you're there to pull us right back. And when we face challenges and life turns upside down, you never leave us. May the power of your love continue to strengthen us for this journey of life that we live. May the presence of your spirit bring us encouragement that we can look for those daffodil bulbs in our own lives, find places where we might plant them, water them, Nurture them. Lord, we give thanks for your love that is always present, moving in and through humanity. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. I now invite the ushers to come forward as we share together in our tithes and offerings this morning. Mm -hmm.